I'd often have a page a week just me talking about my dates I'd been on that week, which was just loads of fun. But I would definitely say if someone is single and they want to attract a partner, writing about your love life is not the best way to do it because it just scares people off. Hello and welcome to Freelance Pod. My name's Sachandrika Chakrabarty and I'll be your host. Freelance Pod is all about how the internet has revolutionised work and our lives. Each episode, I invite a guest from a creative field to tell me about how the internet's transformed or invented their job. I love hearing from you, so if you enjoy the podcast, please do rate, review and subscribe over on Apple Podcasts and tell a friend as well. You can also sign up for the Freelance Pod newsletter, which comes out every time there's a new episode, which is about every week. So you can find the sign up at tinyletter.com forward slash freelance pod. That's all one word. The podcast is also on social. So you can find it on Twitter at freelance underscore pod underscore on Instagram at freelance pod or one word. And there's a group on Facebook. So just search freelance pod. So I'm Jenny Stallard and uh, my job title, which is uh, self-given, job title is a lifestyle journalist. I have a personal website at www.jennystallard.com, which is where my portfolio is. If you want to read anything about my thoughts on everything from uh, fear of missing out on motherhood to why I didn't fall in love until I was 40 uh, and everything in between. Um, and then Freelance Feels is at freelance underscore feels on Instagram and at Freelance Feels on Facebook and Twitter. I decided to start Freelance Feels after quite a few afternoons of the same thing happening to me. I was working from home quite a lot in March after a three-month contract, and it would get to about four o'clock in the afternoon, and I would often find myself feeling quite teary and emotional. And I was just really, really in that place of being challenged by freelance life where there wasn't a lot coming in. I was constantly pitching. So I was going for work. I was applying for contract positions. I was I was the one putting everything out there, but not a lot was being returned. And over all the years of my freelancing lives, I've never got used to the feast and famine. And it really started to eat away at me. And I just thought, I looked and looked for something that would perhaps I could reach out to and read something where someone was going through the same thing. And much as I could find lots of resources which told you about freelance life in terms of how to invoice, how to do those late payment charges, should I join a union, um, where can I go to meet other freelancers, I couldn't find anyone kind of writing and talking about, in particular, the real emotional, the raw emotional side of freelancing. And I just thought, I think I'd like to do something about this. And that's when the seed of freelance feels was, was planted. Freelance Feels um, will launch on June the 20th as a blog. Um, and then as soon as I can afterwards, it's going to be a podcast. I'm lining up some guests already. So that's in progress. Um, and then I'm going to move on to coaching. So I, I see a lot of, of younger people, men and women. I originally actually had it as well-being for women who work for themselves. And after talking to quite a few men in, in my industry, I changed it to well-being for humans who work for themselves because I just thought, this isn't women specific, this is human specific. Um, so coaching people, I see a lot of younger people coming up, starting out and kind of asking a lot of questions on Facebook groups that aren't often answered, such as, you know, I feel nervous about pitching. Um, 
how should I email somebody because I feel a bit silly or I don't really feel confident enough to go to a networking event. And I'd really like to start helping those people by doing coaching and speaking at events. So it kind of be a bit of an umbrella for talking about freelanced emotions and addressing them through my own experience. So I think for me, the value of Facebook groups is very pertinent because I started a Facebook group, oh gosh, 2007, when Facebook was quite new. And a friend and I started it when we were a bit, having a bit of a quiet afternoon on shifts at a national newspaper. And um, we just thought, let's start a group on this so-called Facebook. I mean, it was so new. We just didn't imagine. Everybody, I think, at that stage thought Facebook would go the same way that MySpace eventually went, for example. And we started a group and we called it the, the number one freelance ladies buddy agency because the, at the time there were books that were popular about the number one ladies detective agency. But over the last, I think, 12, 13 years, that group has now grown so big. And I just I witness freelancers every day, not just journalists as well, PRs, you know, copywriters, lots and lots of people in media really, really relying on it. And I think Facebook groups can get quite a bad reputation and a bad rap because they can veer sometimes towards, you know, negativity. People comment online in ways they wouldn't speak in person. But at the same time, I see so much productivity and community on Facebook groups, especially the one that I co-admin that I just think, wow, they're actually, they're really helping people who work remotely gel and feel like they're not alone. I very much started my career kind of when the internet was I remember at university, the internet became a thing, you know, it, it began. Um, and then when I worked my first job on a local newspaper, I, I studied uh, an NCTJ after graduating to get my sort of, you know, shorthand and everything. That, that's what you did back then is you went and did your NCTJ. And then you, um, National Council for the Training of Journalists, for anyone that doesn't know that one. Um, I went to work for a local paper, the Surrey Advertiser in Guildford. And we had one computer that had the internet. So everybody had a computer, obviously, but then we had a system where we would file copy, which looked a bit like, I think it was white, white font on a black background. And then if you needed the internet, you had to use the shared internet computer. I mean, can you imagine that now? It, but in a way, because that's all you had, that's all you used. So um, you would knock on doors. You had a physical address book where you wrote down, you went to an event, you wrote someone's name down, or you stapled their business card in your address book. Um, we had a spike on our desks. So you got a press release. Um, you, you'd put it on the spike when you were done with it because you had to keep a record of it somewhere. Well, now you, you'd probably you'd just file that in a, a part of your inbox because it would have come in in your inbox. Because I remember we had email at uni, but it was like an email system. It wasn't like Hotmail or anything. Because I was one of those people, like all my friends have email names that are like Susan, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, <laughs> because we just didn't know how to make an email address that sounded normal because we just did things like our birth year and um, that kind of thing. I went from local newspaper. I always wanted to work in magazines, always wanted to work for women's magazines. Um, so I went from a local newspaper to a news agency called Wessex, which was down in Hungerford. And that was quite a shock to me because I hadn't really come across what is known as a real life magazine before, particularly. And it was a lot of chasing stories, chasing people to see if they wanted to be in a magazine. By chasing, I mean contacting and uh, approaching, not literally chasing down the street. But um, yes, yeah, so that, that was sort of my first introduction to magazines. And I believe... I think, yes, we all had the internet then. So we would use that to search websites to try and find people. 
But reflecting back on that now, if I wanted to find someone for a case study for an article, now I would be able to go on a Facebook group for the right topics. Let's say I was looking for a woman who was uh, really into gardening for her mental health, for example. I mentioned that because it's something I was recently looking for. Um, I would look on certain groups. I would look on websites. I would Google certain words and Twitter. Whereas back then we would look on databases, you know, phone records, or we'd probably go on the yellow pages online that kind of thing, you know, 118 to go, hello, is there any gardening groups nationally? Um, so it started to filter in as a resource. Um, and then I went to work on magazines in London. And my first job was on That's Life magazine, um, which is a bit sort of in the in the stable of Take a Break, Bella, um, Chat, those kinds of weekly real lives. But I still always yearned to be a lifestyle journalist. That was always my goal. And so I went off to Woman magazine which had a much more lifestyle element. It's been a sort of not highbrow, but more highbrow than that's life, I guess, if you were categorising. And I spent a year at Woman, but I still felt very challenged by the focus on real life stories. And that was when I first went freelance. Um, after a year at Woman, I decided that I was going to go and try my hand at, at being a journalist who worked for lots of different people rather than just one person in the hope that I would expand my portfolio and my experience and my contacts. Um, and I did that by doing what is known in our industry as shifts. So when I first started doing it, I did back-to-back -back shifts and there were so many shifts available that I usually had to remind myself to kind of say, oh, I should probably have a week or a few days off here because there was always, people always wanted someone for shifts. If someone went on a week's holiday, they would get someone in for shifts cover, whereas now there's, they're more few and far between. Um, but that was when I started to diversify into lifestyle and I started writing my first pieces on health and well-being, my first opinion pieces. I think I did a piece for Bella many years ago about um, being a Facebook addict. So that's quite telling, actually, because by that point, Facebook had become enough of uh, a thing, as it were, that I, I found myself having sort of been quite flippant about it when it first began to then suddenly saying, well, actually I, I can't find myself, can't, can't get off this website. I'm always on it. Um, so that's quite telling actually thinking about that. Um, and then, yes, I, I ended up, I, I got into a bit of a pattern where I would work for people and then a position would become available or someone would go on maternity leave and then right place, right time would mean that I was already used to the style of the magazine or I was already used to, to being there. So I was probably the best person to then, step into those shoes or apply for that role and and I would know that company which became a little bit of a USP I kind of say to people I know how to do maternity cover I know how to to turn up somewhere and hit the ground running I was doing that when I ended up doing some shifts at Metro newspaper and they sort of said well we'd like you to stay um, and that was in I think November 20 I think 2014 but um, yeah, and that, that's when I began working at, at Metro, which was probably one of my star star jobs. That That's one that uh, was very much, you know, a lot of fun, a lot of fun, a lot of lifestyle stuff. It was it was what I'd always imagined I'd be writing about. Brilliant lifestyle topics, things that reacted to the news. Um, uh, yeah. So when I was at Metro, I I was single and I placed myself as a dating writer. I thought, if I can't beat it, I'm going to join it. I'm single and I'm going to try and make something out of this. So I'd written a little bit for a few people, um, hooked on things like Valentine's Day, that kind of thing. Um, so at Metro, I actually pitched them a dating column 
and I call, I said it was called Boyfriend by Christmas, and this was in the October. And I said, right, I'll I'll go on dates every week. I'll go to dating events, and let's see what happens by December. So off off Boyfriend by Christmas began, and and off it went really. And it, it was hilarious because every week, and this was back when there were a lot more pages, I think, available for features. You know, across newspapers, that's definitely changed over the last few years. The features pages are sometimes smaller depending on advertising I'd often have a page a week just me talking about my dates I'd been on that week which was just loads of fun but I would definitely say if someone is single and they want to attract a partner writing about your love life is not the best way to do it because it just scares people off so I learned a lesson through that but it was lots and lots of fun I ended up going to New York for a long weekend to write about the dating scene in New York a couple of years later which was just brilliant um just me in New York going to speed dating <laughs> that was great um but also at metro there were lots of pieces that i wrote that i felt i could really put my heart into and a particular one was about um what we coined the phrase fomom so you have fomo fear of missing out fomom fear of missing out on motherhood and it was kind of about the idea that women get to perhaps a certain age and think perhaps they should have a baby because the clock is ticking you, you get to a kind of a baby limbo almost and i was kind of feeling quite a lot of stuff about knowing I didn't want to be a mum but feeling a lot of pressure externally from the media and celebrities that you know motherhood's the thing you've got to do next before it's too late so I'd things I could really put my heart into like that I, I'm, I'm especially proud of. So for me Instagram has hugely changed what influences a feature idea because we have this access to a celebrity world and their feelings, their, you know, not necessarily what they're having for their dinner, but but sometimes they share some really quite intimate stuff, you know, emotionally intimate things. And back when I began in, you know, began as a journalist, the way you got that information was through a magazine. So if you wanted to know about the celebs, you bought Heat, um, or you bought, uh, if you wanted to know an in-depth interview with a, a celebrity, perhaps, you know, a presenter or a model, you bought Cosmo, you bought New Woman. Um, if you wanted some chat and some kind of lifestyle stuff and a bit more sort of relationship you bought more um so that was where you got it from whereas now you, you log on and you can literally follow you can see um celebrities yes having their breakfast you know with their children and and a lot of them do open up about Britney Spears recently has, has posted about her own mental health and that the way they share that is is fascinating to me because it just immediately gets my brain going thinking, oh, well, that's interesting because they said that. And actually, I relate to that. Like with the Jennifer Aniston piece, I suppose she said that in an interview, which before would only have been in print. But I actually read that interview online. Um, I think it was in Harper's, but I'd have to check. No, it was in style. Correct myself. It was in style. So I read that online. So actually, it was so accessible to me. I could then react to it within probably about half an hour I'd written a quick pitch worked out who I wanted to send it to and off it went whereas when I started you'd you'd gather the magazines every week in the office go through the magazines see who was doing what or you went to parties and saw who was doing what so you'd be in the loose and celebrity a was in the toilets chatting away and you'd be like oh great she's just said you know she's dating so and so or she split up with so and so or you know she said something about not smoking or something um but yes, yeah, so so now you can just pick up on something, spin it in terms of a personal piece or a lifestyle trend or, or, or you know something to do with what they've said, and and your pitch can go out within you know half an hour of you reading that information. It's it's changed everything 
dramatically. And while there's an overload, for me as a journalist, it's changed things in a brilliant way because I can just produce so many more feature ideas. You know, I couldn't do this without social media. I want it to exist very much on Instagram where people find a daily dose of kind of inspiration or, you know, they, they just see something on one of my posts that makes them think, oh, brilliant. I wasn't alone in that. Or, yeah, I feel like that as well. Or, oh, I felt like that last week. And actually, I don't feel like that now. You know, looking at just kind of the everyday of it, those kinds of those 4 p.m. moments where you're like, hmm, well, at 4 p.m. in an office, you'd often make a cup of tea or you might almost about on the internet or someone might be playing a YouTube video. Those moments where you're, you then, when you're working from home by yourself or in a co-working space, you, you kind of look to the internet for a bit of, little bit of emotional downtime. And I'm hoping that, that my social media side of this will, will fill that, that void for freelancers. So I did it. It was quite a surprise. It still is a surprise when I think that I, and I must say co-admin because I, I do have other admins that, that help me with it. So I couldn't possibly claim to admin a Facebook group of the size of the buddies. I think it's four and a half thousand plus by myself. But um, yeah, it, it's amazing. I do look at it some days and think, wow, who knew that was going to happen? I, it certainly wasn't the plan. And sometimes perhaps that's the best way when actually it really was done from the heart. It was very much a, a friend and I who sat and thought, why don't we create a page for women who are freelance? You know, let's try and bring work to people. Perhaps people will be sharing, you know, um, opportunities, case study hunting, you know, kind of people. And then I think as people move in and out of the freelance world, because in the media in particular, it's very fluid between, and I've done this myself, you know, freelance one minute, then you're in a job or you're in a contract, but you're still doing something else for someone else at the weekend, perhaps. You know, sort of people who then went to work on a website, a magazine, or moved into a PR company would still be on the buddies. And that's when it began to grow into a site where commissioning editors would find people to write stories for them and journalists would find case studies on it because other people who were freelance, but not necessarily 100% a journalist or a PR, would say, Oh, I can be in your feature. I actually do gardening for mental health, to use the same thing. We now have a pitching hour. So every Friday, we have a pitching hour where people can pitch to the page and commissioning editors know they can jump on and look at the pitches for that hour rather than them pitching all week and then getting lost in the thread. We just have a pitching hour. And that's been really, really successful. Um, and people now post Thursday onwards to be in the queue for us to approve for pitching hour. So that's been really pleasing because that's one of those things where you think, hmm, let's just try this. Might not work. Let's see what happens. And actually, People are really keen on it and people will comment. I've done pitches on there and people will say, oh, I really love this. Have you thought about going in on the angle you mentioned in your second second line of your pitch? You know, or, oh, I really like the fact that you've mentioned a bit lower down that this, that and the other. So people kind of debate the angles of pitches and, you know, kind of where they might go. Um, that kind of leads me on to one thing that I, I don't know whether – sort of worth including but we do have a rule about not sharing contacts and sometimes we come up against people sort of saying well why not and I remember it was one of the very original things we said because it was kind of a feeling that contacts are so hard won that to give out a contact that might have taken someone three four years to establish to just hand out that contact to four and a half thousand people is it's kind of like you know letting a little baby out into the world it's like what's well, my contact but then also obviously 
we, we can't let people hand out emails kind of on a, a page to all those people when the person whose email it is might not want them handing it out. So it's all very well someone's sort of saying, oh, can you tell me, does anyone know the, the website editor at, you know, XYZ website? And, and then somebody giving it out, well, that person might then get up to, you know, a thousand emails with pitches. So that that's the reason we've done that. And that's probably one thing that actually I still would stick to, even though I think things are changing in that it's very much a sharing community now. You know, the way we network these days is much more about can I help you? Can you help me? Can we work together? But I think that needs to be monitored when you've got so many voices in one group. So I think on a personal level, um, I've very much learned by continuing to do the shifts as and when I can. So when I left Metro, it was because I thought, well, I really need to focus on digital here. And um, I was lucky enough to secure a three-month contract at BBC Three. Um, and that was when I started, for example, they used Chartbeat to do the analytics. And I hadn't seen Chartbeat before because I hadn't worked on, I'd written for websites, but hadn't worked on a website. So I hadn't, I, correction, I had used CMS, but I hadn't seen Chartbeat. So then I would, I saw Chartbeat and I started to learn it there. So it was kind of an on the job thing in many ways. Um, but then there are other things that I've learned for myself. So when I went freelance again, April, 2017, decided it was time I had my own website um, for my portfolio um, and it has now been polished by somebody who knows what they're doing properly with <laughs> with websites but um, we, we built it my partner and I he helped me we, we built it together and you know it's I'm lucky it's so intuitive but yeah I've learned to kind of you know upload a new article onto there so it's that's a kind of a self-teaching thing where you kind of think well I want a new piece of my portfolio on my website I can't pay someone every time I want that I need to learn how to do this um, same with Instagram recently, a funny, very simple, but frustrating example was I was like, how do you get a break in your Instagram? Because I could see people posting their, their kind of their, their post. And then there was a few lines gap before their hashtags. So little things like that, where you sort of, think, yes, you could go on a forum and say, or a Facebook page and say, does anybody know how you do a gap on your Instagram? But I think by the time I'd have done that, I, I might as well have done what I did do, which is Google it. Or ask a mate, because I obviously I guess a lot of freelance friends kind of say, guys, does anyone know how to, to make a bit more space on your Instagram post? But those little things then become a habit that then you've just learned because then you do it every day. Every time you post on Instagram or every time I update my website, you're relearning, you're just reminding yourself that process. Um, and yeah, even recently, my most recent contract was at the Press Association on the digital lifestyle team. Um, and that was quite interesting because there was the print wire where they have print customers, but then also we were doing daily reactives. So that was very much a polishing up of WordPress skills and kind of learning how they used WordPress because um, they would obviously have clients in different kind of countries or areas of the country where it couldn't all just be things about London. It had to be articles that related to anyone in across the UK. Um, so kind of working out how, how they like their headlines written and that kind of thing. So, yeah, kind of a mixture of, of working in-house, which has been very beneficial, and then trial and error and stubbornness at trying to, you know, the Instagram thing is, is a good example of a stubbornness. So I was like, I shall not rest until I've worked out how to make a gap on my Instagram post. Yeah, no, I'd say with the coaching, that it was, it was mainly that I could see a change in the people that were joining our Facebook group. So originally it was established journalists, you know, people who'd been perhaps 
on magazines and nationals for 10, 15 years and then branched out into freelancing and or they'd been freelance for that amount of time and very established, you know, sort of people that were on, on the speed dial of a features editor, say from, you know, the mirror or the mail, they'd have their group of freelancers, their trusty ladies that they could turn to. But over the years, we've seen so many more people wanting to join who are lots more graduates or pre-grad people who are still at college and uni who want to to start freelancing while they're studying because they can obviously and god yeah this is so what i think they should do is is write freelance articles to build up a portfolio before you even graduate i mean that does show the pressure that people are under but i guess we did that as well you know i, I did work experience and that kind of thing but um yeah so i see a lot a change in a change in the, in the, the people that are coming through and therefore then a change in what they're looking for and and kind of a not a nervousness perhaps but for want of a better word a nervousness to ask because I suppose they see this sort of this group of very established journalists who are you know come across as very knowledgeable and speak in a certain way we probably speak about our industry in a way that we forget people don't understand a lot of the terms like I said flannel panel I would say that to someone without thinking and they might go what on earth I don't even know if it's a technical term it's just what you used to call it and still do I do anyway so I think I've seen yeah a lot of of, of women in particular kind of saying help so I have this phrase flannel panel that I've, I've been referring to and uh, I believe the technical term is masthead and it's essentially where you see the names of everybody um, who's in the magazine um, there's one in most magazines now I think I mean sort of it's rare not to have it but I guess flannel panel comes from it, it's sort of it's bigging them up it's saying oh look here's the features editor and here's the editor and this person works in advertising it's kind of a bit of a, a who's who look at us we put the magazine together kind of self-congratulatory list but yes I, I would I would colloquially call it a flannel panel but I suspect most people have heard of it called a masthead as I love the theme of your podcast because the more and more you think about things because you forget how much the internet has changed things because we're so used to it now it's just so normal to us to have social media and stuff it's sometimes I feel a bit like a dinosaur's like oh I remember before the internet but then I think no it's it's just in one way it's been this stealth bomb of you know coming at us and now there's it's relentless and it's never probably going to go away I don't expect um but on the other hand it's really crept up because there are still so many things that actually we still do do in person and I think a podcast, especially one like Freelance Pod, really shows actually we're going back to to the verbal. You know, we're talking here. We're, we're, we're talking and other people are listening. So they're not reading. They're not scrolling. They're actually stopping and saying, I want to listen. I want to hear voices again. I don't want to see words again. It's almost like we've had so many words thrown at us on the internet that actually people are now going, hold on, I'd like something audible now. So I find podcasts an interesting return to perhaps a, not a slower paced way of journalism but a more thought thought out way of journalism in a way so for freelance feels the podcast I will be interviewing people who are self-employed but also who then have a well-being leaning to their work so they might be a journalist who has specialized in well-being articles or perhaps well-being blogging um, or they might be a yoga teacher they might be a uh an artist but the USP for me will be that they are someone who can speak about being self-employed and also working in a well-being area of life in some way shape or form.
So my three tips, top tips for balancing your freelance feels. Um, number one is move. Um, that might be away from your computer, but I would say ideally don't just then move to another device. Uh, move, go outside, walk to the corner shop. Um, personally, I, I go jogging. I, I used to call it running, but I'd probably say jogging now. Um, yeah, move, go for a swim, walk to the park. Um, I often find there's so much clarity on an idea or a pitch or a conundrum with a commissioning editor when I take myself away from my computer and, and do exercise of any form. I'm not saying go to three hours of hot yoga, go and stretch in the garden, for example, but move, definitely physically move. Um, the second one is, I guess, in a, in a similar way, take a step back um, mentally if you can. Um, sometimes, particularly if you're writing a pitch or you've got a pitch that you truly believe in and this happens all the time I really feel this is that you really really believe in it you've worked on your pitch and you just feel like it really hits the spot and then email blankness not even a no not even a no from people and you think oh does everybody you start to spiral into these feelings you know does, does everyone think my pitch is terrible did I put something in it that sounded awful you start to catastrophize so I definitely say in that situation you know don't follow up on these emails. Almost operate a 24-hour don't chase rule because sometimes somebody might just be away from their desk. They might have been in a meeting. They might have been doing some exercise and not seen your email. Try not to let the panic set in when it's been your sort of your baby pitch, you know, your, your wonderful, your, your little thing that you've borne out into the world. Um, and I think the last one is, and I'm, this is something I'm trying to do every day as well. So it's very much a work in progress thing, but Remind yourself and try and accept every day that freelance life is feast and famine. And I think a way you can do that is make make a list of, of kind of, I mean, a spreadsheet if you're that way inclined, um, of, your, of your work that's going on. Um, obviously, that really helps as well when it comes to doing your tax return. But if you look back at your spreadsheet, it can really remind you of perhaps how far you've come in a month or six weeks or six months since you, whenever you went freelance. You can say, well, oh, actually, in the first month, look, my spreadsheet only had two commissions. But two months ago, it had five commissions. It will be OK again. There will be work again. If I work hard enough at it and I keep going, work will come back. And then I guess enjoy the famine part, because when you have got a down day and you think, well, we'll go for a bit of a longer walk or go to a cafe you really love and or pick up that book because you can guarantee work is going to come in again and then you'll wish you'd spent a quiet time doing something a little bit more for your emotional health rather than the work health. That's all for another episode of Freelance Pod. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, please do tell a friend. And it would help me if you could rate, review and subscribe over on Apple Podcasts. Just search for Freelance Pod and you'll see a little cartoon version of my face. You can also sign up for the newsletter, which comes out every time there's a new episode, which is about every week. So you can find that at tinyletter.com forward slash freelance pod or one word. The podcast is also on social media. So you can find Freelance Pod on Twitter at freelance underscore pod underscore on Instagram at freelance pod or one word and there's a facebook group so just search for freelance pod thanks for listening there'll be another episode soon goodbye